0: Joining us for another episode at truthzilla i'm megan sitting here with scott and ed Um, please remember to like share and subscribe and follow us on uh, facebook and instagram at truthzilla and on twitter at truthzilla pod
1: Perfect. Thank you.
0: Good evening, guys. Good evening.
1: evening. All right. We're pretty excited, guys. This is so cool. We have a a first in Truthzilla history here. Um, We have a very special guest tonight. Um, He is and always will be the first guest on the Truth Train here. Um, He hosts an amazing podcast called the World Series of Conspiracies. He is literally a walking encyclopedia of the esoteric, a wide-awake warrior of truth. Say hello to the great and powerful Sean, everybody.
0: Hey, Sean. how How are you?
1: what's up man hey, how you hey, doing set the ball hey, yes. too high, man. no 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 <laughs> oh, no no. <laughs> no no you you impressed me when i was on your uh podcast you know a couple few weeks ago dude i was just like damn this guy is a beast mm-hmm. so that was super fun so we hope that some of our folks will go support you and check you out what you got going on because i gotta admit it's it's i was impressed so thank you for taking the time and joining us i know it's a bit of a time difference so no, that's I, super cool pleasure
2: to be here i really appreciate it and thanks for being on my show too of course fantastic episode and hell yeah it i was, was equally impressed so i'm looking cool. forward to talking to the other two of yep. the uh, Truthzilla trio here, so yeah, fire man. away.
1: Thanks, oh, yeah. dude. Oh yeah. Right. So what's going on in the world, Ed? Okay, I guess
3: I get to lead off here. I thought I'd give a little update on uh, some of the, the COVID life that we live in today. Um, it's been, uh, I would say, a little bit more positive of a week than the week before that we dealt yeah. with. Um, even though we're getting more, we're getting mask mandates here um, handed down to us. Uh, wear your mask out everywhere you go, um, or else. Or um, else,
0: yeah. Or oh, else, it? yeah. It was it was kind of a dark day. Yeah. Just, we yeah. were all a little demoral. We were a lot, a lot demoralized.
3: Yeah, yeah. People don't really get the, the the mask doesn't mean just the mask to us. Absolutely. The mask. The mask means a mandatory vaccination. The mask means the microchip. The mask means the uh, medical ID. Yeah. Uh, all the stuff they they're they're gonna roll out. They they've invested all the money in. So uh, anyways, so yeah, anti-mask crew. I actually uh, had a friend that. Uh, just reached out to me today in Florida, and he uh, he got fired from his job because he wouldn't wear the mask.
1: Whoa, yeah, that's, that's a yeah. soldier right there.
3: Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, more power to him, but yeah. uh, you know, it, it just sucks. I mean, it sucks that when you stand up for freedom, that they will take your, your 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 right to live away.
0: Absolutely, that's it. That's and that's part of the this I, like this is that push for this whole new world agenda is that they want everyone to be very subservient. They want everyone to. Uh, just be comfortable with having all of this, for, you know, it's just a little bits of oppression at a time, but it's a steady pressure to where people are comfortable giving it up. Just like, you know, we were saying like, Oh, it was just for Easter. Or it's just, you know, it's just till mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. day. And then it's just a little bit longer. Oh, it's just these people. Now it's, we all have, and the next thing, you're going to want to mask our kids. Oh
4: yeah.
0: And so I, this is, it's just getting, and, and, and again, that's, and for and people I talk to are, you know, Oh, well, it's, it's just a mask. What do you care? Why don't you care about it? when we were obviously over this last week, but it isn't, about it's covid-19 and <laughs> it's not about the mask and uh, it's very much about your civil liberties and uh, subversion of the constitution so
3: and thank god my children are under the age of 12 because apparently if you're under 12 you can't you can't, you can't spread it That's isn't this, that you know, something oh, wow. yeah it's safe it's if insane. you're under 12. Yeah. So, but, and, if, but, and if you're protesting did you know that oh of yes. course you they've, know that right they've done okay. studies that, they've done studies <laughs> they sure have have <laughs> <Or laughs> you, you guys seen that article that the studies show that if you're protesting you don't transfer I like was there, just reading that actual, today, actually. An actual article.
0: There <laughs> it out. totally was. I, you we'll,
2: link won't transmit, it. we'll link it.
1: You won't transmit COVID, but um, Sean, how's it going in your neck of the woods, man? As far as that goes,
2: it's equally crazy. I know you yeah. guys are pretty much ground zero out there. But yeah. <sighs> For a while, there was a lull. Like it was pretty yeah. bad in March. Obviously, April was pretty surreal, and then it kind of toned down in May and June. But it's starting to kick back up again with all the uh, with the positives but the reality Mm -hmm. is is we don't know what's positive and what isn't Mm because we don't trust the data
4: yeah sure sure
2: even if let's say that it is unconstitutional or if it's against hipaa fine and dandy but Mm. all that notwithstanding when i was a kid i mean the basic reality of germ transfer was if you're not sneezing if you're not coughing you're not going to get somebody else sick so if you're breathing out of your nose you don't need a mask especially if the mask is ineffective on the box it says not affected. <laughs> right <laughs> on the box. <laughs> you know, I don't need that. It's ridiculous. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. And, and I would say just on, on that uh, on that note, the, the increased cases right now—that's kind of been the week here—is um, they're just saying that the, the cases are skyrocketing, and we know that the testing is through the roof. But at the same time, if you look at the death rate, the death rate has plummeted. Like we are seeing so many less deaths, and so every time I see someone, uh, you know, making these posts, I always post like, "Here's the graph of the death rate." You know, so so it's led to some discussions and uh, somewhat heated, but at yeah. the same time, it's it's data versus data, and the the problem is, and I've I've said this to you guys too, is that I I don't want to invest too heavily in it because I know that they can manipulate that data, yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. that that is why we're in the position we're in is because of how they use statistics to tell a lie. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, so I don't want well, to rely part, too well, much. Part
2: of that fear campaign. Yeah. I mean, they were showing bodies in the street. Like, this guy died of COVID. He's just laying right here. That went away real quick. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Was. yep. It just doesn't make any sense, yep. for mm-hmm. sure.
3: Well, yeah, and a lot of those, what they've shown us either wasn't actually accurate to where they were saying it was, or, you know, like in the case of New York, it's it's on an island that they've been taking bodies to for 100 years. So, you know, when, when you follow these uh, rabbit holes they leave you, you kind of uncover truth. And that's kind of uh, a pretty common thread. With-
0: well, and, and the thing that they keep throwing at us is that, you know, how many more people or how many more cases? And we're still talking about a, 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 an illness that is with a 90, over a 99% recovery rate. So it's, yeah. it's, it's absolute garbage. It's absolute fear-mongering because at the end of the day, all these people who are likely at home recovering, that they're reporting on all of the, you know, few hundred people that got sick out of how many are in our state land? Four, 4.2 million? 4.7 million. It's a lot of us. Yeah and a few hundred. And I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure there's more people with the common flu walking around and no, no one's talking about this. So we're, yeah, we're just, sure. they're just throwing these numbers, but they're not mentioning that. Yeah. These are maybe some, uh, positive tests, but these people are home recovering. They're, they're home recovering from a virus like most everyone is going to do. So anyway. <laughs>
3: yeah, I posted, I just got to share this one piece. I, I posted this thing. Uh, uh, it was, essentially OHSU is like one of the biggest hospitals in Oregon, up up in Portland. And uh, they employ more people than anyone in our state. And, uh, but they make all their data public so, so that you can see how many COVID patients they have. And at this time they have three COVID beds being used. And I posted it and like, I, I got a little bit of dialogue going back and forth. And uh, one, of, one of my friends goes, do, are you, do you think you have survivorship bias? What? Somebody That's a thing said now. That to me That's a thing now. Survivorship bias. Like, it Ryan. is a thing. Like, wow. did, did you read? Did you look at the data? I mean, oh, come God. on. I mean,
1: yeah. That's but, insane. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So, Sean, I gotta ask, dude, before before they blast us, I want. What's up with the Captain American poster? What's the historical significance? With the yeah yeah, what's that? Fourth well,
2: of July coming up. Okay okay,
1: <laughs> Captain America. Okay, okay. I love. I mean, the, That's
2: the my favorite fictional character. That's actually a painting by Joe Simon.
1: Oh, I know. Uh, you just know, you know if they're going to attack us, they're going to be like, these fucking guys had a swastika on their poster.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. That's, oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah. In all fairness, it was created by two Jewish Americans, Yeah. and that was painted by a Jewish American, so we're safe, we're good. Okay, so <laughs> obviously Captain
1: America is fighting the evil Nazis, right? That is true. And we are here fighting the evil that Nazis doesn't even, too. That
2: doesn't even get into the, uh, the actual historical significance of what yes. the swastika was before it was. Uh, misappropriated in the 20th century
1: sure 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 so that's a conversation for another day but we just want to say we're very anti-nazi and 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 all that good stuff
3: and before we move on from covid i got one more thing i just and uh you know i'm a big fan of the high wire and i like Dell really looked at some data and i thought this was just really a, a a key piece that he discovered this week and you know he was looking at the, the essentially the graphs of, of a normal years of we see the the flu and respiratory illnesses and the deaths from that, and he was looking at the spike that we see in uh, in our COVID and how that happened in in March and whatnot. And and anyways, the the short st- version of it is a new theory emerging, and I think it has so much holds so much weight is that the death rate that we saw was from our response. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And and there's a lot more to it. I'd encourage you to go to go you know check out the high wire and whatnot. But uh, Del Big Tree, Del yeah, Big yeah. Tree. Del big um, Tree. Um, but but our response is what caused a spike that we haven't seen in the last twenty years. You know because mm-hmm. you can see there's a lot of evidence and data that's showing that this thing was here long before they're telling us that it was Absolutely. here. It was here long before. And if you track this thing and you see where this big spice is, is it's totally unnatural. Mm-hmm. It is it is when we. Uh, We quarantined. It's when we locked down. It's when, uh, when we. Cuomo and and these governors are shuffling all these uh COVID patients into the nursing homes.
0: Well that was a
3: big thing. we made this thing happen Absolutely. So um, you know, and that's that's just a theory. I'm not saying that's 100% true. I totally think true, it was on
0: purpose. I totally it think it makes sense to me. of makes it sense, sense to me purpose. and that's the
3: I also worry about going into this, this new hype up they this doing right now. Are we going to cause a bunch of deaths again? of mm-hmm. we going of make this? are we going of the this of the purpose of the purpose of the purpose it kind of plays into exactly where I think that they, the that, direction. That's where they, they want it thing, to go. You know? They need exactly. it to go there. They exactly. need
0: more people to be dead yeah. Yeah. for their, we're, their we're agenda the, to carry uh, forward.
3: The time of epidemics, you know? Yes. I mean, they're already talking about all the new epidemics anyway, yep. so.
2: You know. yep. Yeah, crazy Uncle Billy's talking about the next one's going to be worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, in the last episode, we were talking about uh, in Qtel and B-Next and all their, all their investments in all of it, right? And Tara O'Toole, the mm-hmm. CFR member who runs B-Next, which is in q um, little arm of COVID response and COVID technology, like she's quoted as saying, this is the era of epidemics, and there's just going to be one after another. It's just crazy, dude. Yep. And another thing, too, like on the CDC website, it says uh, – if you test positive right a positive test result shows you may have antibodies from an infection with a virus that causes covid 19. however there is a chance positive results mean that you have antibodies from an infection with a virus from the same family of viruses exactly. called coronaviruses yes. such as the one that causes the common cold so they're even saying like yeah a positive test result could be from the fact that you had a common cold at one point yep and so it's like i had someone ask me you know uh when, when i when i you know put this out there they're like well well you know you're saying that you something they were questioning i can't even remember what they were saying it doesn't even didn't even read but it's like you know my response was like so much I mean, so much is writing on these test results, literally, and and the, the fact that it could be this wrong, and this it's just and, and not to
3: mention, I don't have the quote in front of me, but they have come out and said that their, their tests could be as much as 50% wrong. The CDC has said that themselves. So I mean, we can't rely on the data that we're getting anyways, but even mm-hmm. the data they're giving us is bullshit. Like you can kind of, you can argue with the data that we have. Yeah. You have so, to look
0: at who's giving you the data at, yeah. the, at the end, and be all of all things, you have to look at who's bringing you the data yeah. And, and 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 what how they're connected is. and yeah. what's their yeah. intent yeah. absolutely because yeah. if, if that doesn't matter to it? you then, then you, you're just lost it? You that yeah. has to matter
1: yeah yeah. sure guys thank you so uh sean what is what is going on in the world today dude like we're recording this on july 2nd right so by the time this airs it will be this sunday the 5th so maxwell will probably have committed suicide by then but what's going on <laughs> what's your take on all this <laughs>
2: Well, first of all, I'm, I'm shocked they arrested her, period. Yeah. Yes. I keep, I keep waiting for these drops to happen, and I just don't see them happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you got these people that, if the general public knows about it, obviously the people in power have to know about it because yeah. we're the last to know. Yes, right? yeah, exactly. Yes. I mean, I know about it. It's got to it be way deeper than what it already is. Mm-hmm. So we got to wait months and months and months, and finally she gets arrested. So they say, just like when they say someone went to prison, we don't know. I mean, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Jail, mm-hmm. Or, yeah. or he, he even killed himself yeah yeah and it's almost a year to the date of, of epstein's arrest and yeah. i'm not even convinced yeah. epstein's dead right i'm in that I camp I, sure. I, i'm
0: totally in that and camp. We're the same yacht yeah
1: yeah, well, yeah i think we all, so, yeah, we're all uh, like he's still so have you have you heard the connection like but so it's so weird man the thing that really muddies the water for me and really causes confusion is like so like okay so let's say trump is really actually just you know going after these folks and q you know is all, is all correct about everything right and uh you know, but it's so suspicious how how Trump has this tendency to surround himself with people that are just like like okay, so like uh uh, uh what was the what was the lawyer's name, Dershowitz, Alan Dershowitz, yeah, yeah, yeah. he represented uh, Trump during his impeachment, and he was one of Epstein's lawyers when he got his sweetheart deal back in the day, right? And now you got Attorney General William Barr, whose father was at the Dalton School, who gave Jeffrey Epstein his start. Like Jeffrey Epstein drops out of college right? Just a, high, a college dropout and somehow manages to wind up in a teaching position at this prestigious private school. And the person that hired him, the headmaster was William Barr's father, the current attorney general who's going after him. So it's like, I just can't put the pieces together, but there's yeah, something weird yeah. going on there. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Have you heard anything about that? Have you, have you heard anything about that? Like,
2: no, I, nothing beyond what you talk about. Yeah. On the level.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: I mean, obviously there's connections all over the place for Trump's administration yeah. and prior administrations with her father. I mean, it just, it, it yes. goes deep into the establishment for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you know much about Robert Maxwell?
2: I mean, a little bit. I know he's more tied to the, the European side of things than the yeah. American side versus, yeah. you know, she's kind of infiltrated over here. But For sure. Again, I, it's, it's the old, if you stare into the abyss, it stares back kind of thing. Yeah. I try to look at it so I'm aware of it, yeah. so I'm not surprised by anything. Yeah. Yeah. Dig into that stuff. That's the nastiest side of humanity when you're dealing with that. Yeah, yep, yep. Yep.
1: That's how you get hung from a doorknob real quick, dude. Looking at that shit. So, I feel you. I feel you. But it's just so weird, man. So I guess more will be revealed. But I think we would be, uh, you know, we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't at least mention it. So, cool, man. So, wow. Well, we.
2: If if she has been arrested, yes. If anyone has connections to deeper and more terrible things, it would be her. Yeah. So if it's true, if you take it on its face value, yeah. It's all positive news. Yeah. So I'll leave it at that. And hopefully, yeah. the, the, the better angels prevail. Totally. I like totally. that. The totally. better I don't angels think prevail. Will, but we'll
1: see. Yeah, <laughs> that, I love that. It'll yeah, I mean, be the first. There's, there's always a chance yeah. for a first, right? There's better sure angels might. prevail. So, so we hit up Sean, and I, was, I hit him up, and I was like, So, dude, I really want you to come on the podcast. Like, what do you want to talk about? And he's like, The creature from Jekyll Island. And I'm like, All right, wow. let's do it. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think that uh, a lot of what we see in our world today, the veil that's been put over us, um, the, the conditions that we all, you know, just our lives flow in and out of this constant pursuit of this thing that's just been thrust upon us as human beings. And if you think about it, like it's just, it controls every single aspect of our lives and that's money, dude. Money is what we all, every, every thought, action, pretty much. It's like our, you know, our higher power. It's like everything that we think of revolves around that and we're just kind of lost in it. And, but where does that come from, man? And I think it could all be traced back to a specific event, uh, you know, in, in, in 1910, where a bunch of rich, powerful, crazy people went, got together and consolidated their power and formed what eventually became the Federal Reserve. But, you know, what's your what's your take on it, Sean? What...
2: Takes, plural. I mean, it, it, takes, it, it goes yeah. all over the map. I mean, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, first thing, I think it's apropos. This was this was completely accidental that we picked the weekend of Fourth of July to talk about what's arguably the the biggest threat to human freedom mm. ever. Is the fact that we have a system of monetary finance that's fractional reserve centralized banking? Mm -hmm. Just it's it's a massive threat to everybody's independence on the weekend of Independence Day. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) West Coast, I I I need my sleep on Fridays usually, but I got tomorrow off. Cool. So it's a win in that regard. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it 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 was a coincidence that you and I started talking about this on this day, but I think it's very appropriate. So. Uh, I I guess to start the framework of, you know, the the way I'll begin things, I'm talking about it. Um, I mean, I'm not we're all in the same boat. I don't necessarily agree with most of, if not many of the the business practices and political practices in America today. Now, obviously, I'm a huge fan of the American dream and what it means to be an American. I'm a patriot that way. But the execution of our leaders is lacking, in my opinion. And a lot of it stems back to our monetary system and the way our freedom has been usurped in that manner. So, I mean, you, you, you've talked to me enough, Scott, to know I have a very open mind about things. Absolutely. I think any man or woman, they should be free to live as they choose for themselves and their family without impending on anyone's rights to do the same. And that second part, it kind of... I don't know, it, come back, it comes back to bite me every once in a while because most of us, we're all normal people. We have the same views. We, we have no hatred or malice in our hearts. So what happens is that worldview kind of paints the people around you. You think, well, if I think that way, so does everybody else. But the reality is that the people in control are in control because they have a personality that thinks that they're better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Psychopaths. You can't Allow that worldview, that paradigm to control you. You have to be aware that just because you have kindness and you have goodness in your heart and you don't think other people are are better or worse than you, that everybody's equal. If you're American, you believe everybody's equal uh, and we have the the right to the pursuit of happiness. But the people in charge don't believe that stuff. And when I'm thinking about that, the best thing I can do is when we're going over this stuff, the best thing I can tell your listeners would be, I mean, it, you, you pretty much, you will, in your your course of life and the things you learn. you probably agree that, let's say in the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church waged a brutal war against Muslims because they viewed that they were savages and didn't deserve the Holy Land. Most people accept that reality as being true. Most people accept the fact that the Nazis were racists. They don't have any trouble believing that at all. They believe that Idi Amin was a bad guy. They believe that since 9-11, really going back to you know, the Iran hostage crisis in the 70s, I mean, Muslims have been on a jihad against Western world for the longest time, basically my entire life, our entire lifespan, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because their religious beliefs think that we're the infidels and they should be destroyed. Yep. Again, people have no trouble believing that concept. Uh, The Japanese were racist against the Chinese, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on and on in history. So if all those people in history believed that they were inherently better than anybody, the royal family, there's somebody that out there believes that they were divined by God to rule over us unwashed masses, us simpletons that don't deserve the land that we are gifted by them. So this reality exists and people are accepting of it on multiple fronts. And they believe and they accept the fact that wars were fought and people were murdered and killed and, and displaced from their homes over and over again. And yet when it comes to banking, they are hesitant to accept the fact that there might be some religious undertones to how that started as well. I'm not saying it's true, but it's very possible that the people that started this out years ago, centuries ago, believe that they're God's children. Now I'm not saying everybody is, and that's one of the things that makes it difficult to talk about because they have masterfully made it something that you can't discuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you do so, you're an anti-Semite. You have, you're not pro-Zion, so therefore you're against us, and, and not just not just from the religious standpoint. They've also made it so if you're if you don't want businesses to succeed, then you're anti-American, commie.
4: Mm-hmm. When in
2: fact they're. They're creating a monopoly that's un-American to begin with. So you have to kind of suspend the disbelief and realize that if people are willing to murder and kill and do whatever it takes to be powerful, to have dominion over people, because in their heart they believe they're better than them. It's very possible that someone just figured out a better way through banking to usurp and to control people, to dominate them, the people that they view as their enemies. So again. May or maybe, may or not be true, but you have to at least be open to that possibility because it is proven in history. And in my opinion, they it's very possible that what was started centuries ago was started on this basis that we are lesser, mm-hmm.
1: like, like, God, I mean, how back, far back you want to take it if we're talking banking, man? Like, we go to the Templars, I mean, I don't know, but like, you know, I know you're focusing on Jekyll Island, but I mean, I don't know,
2: yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it does start centuries ago, and it's, it's 17, I mean, you got. Yeah, Jesus was talking about, you know, his, the, what were they, the, the, the I'm, my Bible's rusty. <laughs> what do they call the people that were running the temple?
1: Oh, I'm not sure.
2: The, anyways, he, he, had a, he had trouble with usury, essentially. Yeah, sure. A, and that goes back, you know, obviously it's 2,000 years ago. Yeah. And uh, when you look at it going that far back, you mentioned the Knights Templar. I mean, from my understanding, and again, this this is just something I heard years ago when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. I, I believe it to be the origin of it. Essentially, when knights were traveling, they said, I, I don't really want to walk around with, with gold in my person. Mm-hmm. I'd like the ability to travel safely. So they would give it to the bank. And you know, if they're if they're in Rome and they're traveling to, let's see, they're going to Northern Europe to fight or whatever. They give it to a guy in, in, in Italy and then they can then move and then give the I, IOU to the guy up in Northern Europe and you get their money back. So yeah. that's that's the way I understand. That's how it initially started. And that's all fine and dandy. That's providing a good service. And that'll come into play later on. when We start talking about the people that defend the Federal Reserve system now. Because oh, I can't, can't wait to get that. You have to look at both sides. <laughs> yeah, Maybe there is a good side to it. And that might yeah. be one of them. This this was providing a service that people wanted. And if people want it, so be it. That's oh, yeah. freedom to me. So that, that's okay.
1: Oh, yeah. And
2: then moving on to it, I guess if you wanted to pick the the most substantial person in history, it would start with. Uh Mayer or Meyer, I don't know. If Meyer, I'm sure. yeah, I'm
1: not sure of the pronouncement Meyer, either,
2: but Meyer Amschel Rothschild. Yep. Uh, that was the name that they gave themselves, I think, a couple generations before him. It basically means red shield.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: They were the ones that started the bank, him and his five sons, essentially.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And again, I mean, if, there's nothing wrong with starting a business, again, that's, that's as American as it gets to me. If you're gonna start a business, fine and dandy. But again, I think the issues start to come from the concept that absolute power corrupts absolutely and that comes in later on so i'll let you guys talk about what i've been talking to long
1: yeah no you're great man like it. B- bring it yeah. like you know and then of course what isn't he the one that was quoted as saying like you know uh give me a c- control over a country's money and i care not who makes the laws mm-hmm. right Yep. you know was that him or was that nathan i can't remember maybe which one maybe, it was. Maybe, maybe i can't remember but but the, you know that's that's a yeah that's a good question but that
2: was—that's an accurate quote too, for sure. Yeah. It was a yeah, lot yeah.
1: of Yeah. So that just says, like, I we we, we go in and we take over these countries' money supplies. We become the people providing the capital for these these countries, and then through that, you know, we 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 call the shots basically. You know, we we have the yeah, leverage. Playing both you, sides too. Yeah, yeah. Playing both sides. Yeah. Like, if you think about it, like every conflict, every war, from both from you know, and as far back as we can remember, they've had a hand in funding both sides of it, so they profit on both sides of it. So it's literally just. You know, it's almost to the point now, it's like, I don't even think there are really countries anymore between the, the big national corporations and technology and how the banks run everything. Like, countries are just an illusion that are put on the map to create division and to, you know, to foment ferment these wars. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't, and, but, but on their level, we're, they're looking down at us, man. They're all on the same boards and they're all on the same boards of each other's corporations. And it's just like, it's just, yep. from their perspective, it's just one world. You know, right. but it's essential though also to keep us all divided into our little sections and, and have all of our you know like views and hating the other people. It's really important that we hate it's them. The psychological and they hate us. warfare yeah. part. But but you know all that aside. So so right. So I think uh, so. This was all about around 1907. We had the Panic of 1907, right? Um, which uh, you know, I, I, I one of my one of my favorite conspiracies is the uh, the Tesla Edison. The whole thing, you know what I mean? Like such a fascinating story, right? And you have Thomas Edison, whose uh, backer was J.P. Morgan, and and Edison wanted to put his idea was DC tech because they were, you know, this is where we were trying to figure out as as in America as a country, like how we were going to roll out the electric infrastructure for our whole country and the the Edison camp wanted to put DC little battery stations in every home, right? And they had some and they were super loud and clunky and they caught some houses on fire. And then Tesla had this brilliant idea of just AC power, just like simple running from a power plant, kind of, it's exactly what we have now. So obviously Tesla's technology prevailed. Um, But uh, with Westing, Westinghouse was the financial backer for Tesla. And I heard that like J.P. Morgan. I've heard other people say how he orchestrated the crash of 1907 sure. for lots of reasons. One of them, primarily, being to put uh, Westinghouse, Tesla's investor, out of business. Right. So that's just a crazy one right there. So out of the panic of 1907, which you know you have all these different ban- small banks, like local banks, state banks, issuing all these different currencies. Uh, there's just tons and tons and tons of different types of money, floating paper money, floating around out there. And eventually, you know, like if. Uh, domino effect, where, where uh, more than this, you know, I guess to go back to what you were saying, like, you know, you, you, have, you have these banks from the very beginning, they, they, they have people that, uh, you know, they put their money in there and then they can travel with a note saying that my money is over here. And then these banks, over time, they have all these stacks of gold sitting there and they're like, God, what are we gonna do with all this gold? And they start loaning it out, right? And so with the idea that ne- never more than like seven to 10% of people actually come to get their gold back. So we have all this gold that we're sitting on that we could loan out, right? And so uh, that's how that whole started. So in the 1907, like, you know, more than that 10%, maybe 20% of people started to go get their gold back. And then when they realized they didn't have the gold on them anymore, everyone rushed out to go get their gold back, right? And it wasn't
3: it like the J.P. Morgan side, like, started a rumor. About, yeah.
1: But it was like
3: a rumor went out and scared everybody to go get their money from... Yeah, something yeah. like
1: that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, so yeah, so then they, they then so they wanted to come together, right? And and I think the government wanted to come up with some sort of uh, strategy for preventing that from happening again, right? And so instead of sitting back and waiting for the government to make those legislations, well, what do we have here, Sean? Why don't you tell us? Why don't you tell us a little about that?
2: As far as the formation of it all? Or, how or 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 I
1: was just going to say, like, you know, so, so instead of, like, you know, uh, the bankers waiting for the government to come up with some sort of policy changes to prevent what happened in 1907, they decided to come together and make their own little plan, right? Yeah, 1910. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. you are talking about JP Morgan yeah. and we'll that a little bit more later, but the 1907 thing, he, he essentially was the 2008 version of too big to fail. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, he was the one who bailed out everybody with either his own money or through his connections. Mm-hmm. And the argument is he did that to obtain more power on his own right. So I had never heard what Ed just talked about with it uh, being intentional on mm-hmm. his behalf, but that would make total sense yeah. if he's going to benefit on the back end. Yep. Yeah. Again, it's causation. You see it all, all the time today. We create the problem, we mm-hmm. give the solution that we already had that you didn't know about, and then problem solved until we create <laughs> totally. the next one. So yeah. that makes total yeah. sense. Yep. So specifically about uh, the Jekyll Island meeting, yeah. uh, Scott, you shared the notes with me earlier, and they were pretty strong. Uh, actually, they mirrored mine pretty well. Cool. You got more detail about the meeting where I was kind of focusing more on the the causes of it, the Perfect. earlier history of it, the later effects of it. So I think it'll be a nice blending. But to yeah. get into the meeting itself, it was November 22nd, 1910. Uh, Jekyll Island had been acquired in the 1880s by some businessmen. They just wanted a place to hang out and not be with us stinky, simple people. <laughs> they wanted a place of their own. Uh, so at that point in time, obviously pier Pierpont, Pierpont uh, was a was an esteemed member. Uh, Joseph Pulitzer was one, which again ties to who owns the media. Mm. I mean, Pulitzer was pretty strong there. Uh, William Vanderbilt's a big name that was there. So the movers and the shakers were already going to this for many years. So in 1910, at the request of obviously he he had people you know pulling his puppet strings, but Nelson Aldrich was the was the main driving force between this. Uh, he was kind of like the he was the politician version of, of Wall Street, essentially. He was the champion of Wall Street in politics. He was a senator. Uh, he worked in finance in some regard, and I can't remember exactly what he was. You remember, was he like the... Uh, he was on the Monetary Committee or something yep, like yeah,
1: that. Ban- you know? uh, yeah, he just says, Chairman of National Monetary Commission to Reform Banking in America, which it sounds like it was a part of his Senate job, senator job. Correct, um, you mentioned, yeah, yeah.
2: You, I'm not gonna steal your quote, you actually found a, a quote of his Something about the mon- the money trust or something like that. I-, I never heard that quote before. I was like, yeah, of course you would say that. Yeah, so break, now- the,
1: gr- break the grip of the money trust. <laughs>
2: yeah, so that's exactly what he's going to do by-, by making it a-, a death grip. Yeah. Which, funny enough, mortgage <laughs> means death grip. So he wants to break <laughs> the death grip by causing a death grip. Ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Yep, absolutely.
2: So anyways, th- he had his private train, and his private train was waiting in New York. And the instructions were, everybody travels and arrives separately, so we don't want to raise suspicion. Because obviously, the panic of 1907 into 1908 was in everybody's mind. So if you have all these these power brokers and money showing up, people are going to get suspicious. They're going to be, you know, some kids saying, on the extra, extra. Well, they don't want that happening, so they want to be secret about it. To the point where they're only using first names, and I heard they were using code names. Mm-hmm. But a couple all of the them. names I hear, are like, ridiculous cartoon names, like... Uh, something like Blue Boy or something. Like yeah, Rocky yeah, Dose. yeah. Like, hey, like, I don't know what the characters. real what the real code names were, but they were rumored to be wearing using code names. I haven't verified that. But that's a rumor. I've heard.
3: That's what I heard too. It was, I heard that too. I forget
2: what it, They wanted what it was to uh, it was. keep a secret, so they did. Uh, they went under the guise of duck hunting mm-hmm. and it's funny, you got the stickers. <laughs> creature from jacko island i'm actually using it as my mouse pad nice well. <laughs> Hell yeah dude that's good um, and that Good. that he referenced um one of the guys couldn't even like basically hold a gun he had no mm-hmm. concept of how to use a gun and, and the concept of him going hunting was ridiculous to the people at the time and that's that's what they did to get people uh involved so this train leaves new york it's part of a larger train it's just a car actually and they, they hook it up to a train and they move along People in the train are, you know, none the wiser that what's happening right here, and they show up finally in a uh, Jackal Island, which is off the coast of Georgia, is it? I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they show up there, and they conduct this meeting. And the meeting, the intention is obvious: they want to create a central bank. And I'm going to let you guys talk about the people involved, okay? Because that's kind of key to what the agenda was.
1: Totally. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so you mentioned uh, Senator uh, Nelson Aldridge, kind of kind of pushing this whole thing together. Um, we have here uh, uh, Abraham Andrew, who was the Assistant Secretary of the Treasury, he was a congressman, also an influential banker. Um, let see, Henry Davidson, who was a senior partner of J.P. Morgan. Uh, Charles Norton, president First National Bank of New York. And you notice a lot of these uh, power like a lot of the, the power structures always focused in New York, you know. Um, next one would be Frank Vanderlip, uh, the president of the National City Bank of New York, the largest and most powerful bank in uh, America at the time. Um, and he was there on behalf of William Rockefeller. And it's also important to notice that Aldridge, um, he kind of married into the Rockefeller bloodline, right, Father, father-in-law of John D. Rockefeller, uh, grandfather of Nelson Aldridge, as uh, just so happened, Rockefeller, who went on to become vice president. Um, and then, uh, let's see, I mentioned Benjamin Strong, head of J.P. Morgan Bankers Trust, um, and he became the first head of the Federal Reserve after it was established. And then uh, I think uh, Paul Warburg is kind of the one that just, just look at him, man. He looks pretty... Daddy pretty, Warbucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Daddy Warbucks. Yeah, man. And, and so he was there representing the European interests. You know, he was re, he was there on behalf of Kuhn Loeb and Company and uh, was there representing the Rothschild banking interests. So we mentioned the Rothschild family and their prevalence throughout banking and, and just... Uh, global domination and at the time warburger was one of the most uh, powerful men in the world so all told these these five well, one two three four six, five, right. six seven i think there's yeah, yeah men represented a quarter of the whole world's wealth yeah. at the time you know so
2: they yeah, had aldrich aldrich and andrew represented the the government obviously so yes yeah. that's the people they needed involved because they needed to yeah. get sanctioned by the government to make this happen so that, that's key and I, i've heard I think it's actually in uh, but I can't remember for sure, but I think that there was rumored that uh, um, Benjamin Strong wasn't there. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: Yeah, Uh, I think that's, is it something about, one of the guys, maybe it was Vanderlip, wrote a book or something, but he was much older. He was was an elderly man at this point. The the recollection might've been rusty, but I haven't been able to verify that from any other source, so.
1: Yeah, no. I remember. Him, I remember Ed uh, Griffin saying that in the book that he was able to have somebody that went into an extensive investigation and confirmed it. But you know, I haven't. Yeah, looked into myself either. But. Um, yeah, so, so obviously a very secretive meeting because, you know, if, if they – like you said, if the press were to hear about this, they'd be like, whoa, what the hell is going on? And so – And no one would go for the – Yeah, no one would no – whatever it is for the they Federal came Reserve. up with. Yeah. yeah, later on Vanderlip was quoted as saying uh, – this is a quote from him. We were told to leave our last names behind us. We were told further that we should avoid dining together on the night of the departure. If the necessity for all this secrecy was in doubt, let us only examine – oh. Okay, if it were uh, to be exposed publicly that our particular group had gotten together and written a banking bill, that bill would have no chance, whatever, of passage in Congress. So there you go right there. Yeah. So if word got out. And so this proposed bill was to break the the money trust. So so uh, what was it, like nine days they sat there nine and days, kind of sorted yeah. it out? Nine days. Um, and this was in 1910, and then they brought it back to Congress. Um, and so if you think about it, so all the interests of the, the Morgans, which... You know, a lot of people have probably heard of JP Morgan Bank still these days, but maybe not a lot of people have heard of like the Rothschilds, for example, or the Warburgs, Kuhn, Loeb, and Company. I saw a really good, interesting expose on uh, Edge of Wonder. They did this whole tracing back of Antifa to its origins and then traced it all the way back to the Bolshevik Re- Re- Revolution of, I think, 1918 in Russia that was funded by Kuhn, Loeb, and Company. So I thought wow. that was a cool yeah.
2: little. Yeah, I got, I got some stuff on Jacob Schiff later. Essentially. Nice to that, Jacob Schiff is essentially the George Soros of 100 years ago.
1: Okay, what
2: well, you just talked about touches on that a little bit.
1: So nice, sure. dude. Perfect, perfect. And anytime, dude, you want to jump in, jump on in. Like, uh so, um, you know, so basically, they come up with an idea, like I said, right? And in, in order to head off whatever the, the the House or the Senate wanted to come up with to regulate these banking uh, debacles, they wanted to come up with it themselves, right? And so, um basically uh they just but 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 see that's what they tell the people that's the public facing agenda right is that this is to prevent future economic crises Mm -hmm. from happening whereas behind the scenes is a perfect opportunity to uh roll out their own agenda right Mm -hmm. yep so what do you want to speak on a little bit of what their agenda was from your take
2: well essentially the agenda was Hey, we're, we're super rich buddies that like to play golf all the time, and we don't <laughs> even uh, care about the, the peons. Let's, let's, let's consolidate our power and make sure that this power that we've developed over the past industrialized 50 years remains in our control.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And who better to help us achieve that, i.e. the business owners thinking, who better to help us than the bankers that mm-hmm. control the money supply? <laughs> so we've, and I'll get into this a little bit later on, too. We've tried central banks in the past before, but since the days of Andrew Jackson, we didn't have any. And you can argue that, you know, after the Civil War 19 or sorry, 1871 or so, things were pushing this direction. Anyways, even it wasn't a central bank, but it was de facto controlled by the establishment at that point. Regardless, we didn't have an official central bank until 1913. Mm. So this meeting was the desire of the elites of that time to control as much as they could. And they used, surprisingly enough, not that this is familiar to any of us today, but they used fear to get there. <laughs> absolutely,
4: <laughs>
1: absolutely, Wow. absolutely. That's, yeah, I mean, so it,
2: yeah. If you look at the meeting itself, what happened from it was essentially the Aldrich plan. And the Aldrich plan was, like I mentioned, it was, it was a central bank by any other name. There was obviously a stigma to the central banks. Let's call it something else. I don't. Uh, people say, "Oh, it's it's you know the, the Federal Reserve isn't federal. It's like Federal Express. It's nonsense." Yep. But <laughs> uh, calling it dangerous. federal to me is no different than calling it the the first bank of the United States. Yeah, it's still tied to the government, the first one. It was centralized. People hated it, so I don't understand the appeal of doing that one way or that. I think that's just spin at this point in time by conspiracy theorists. Yeah, guys like us.
1: Totally, but, <laughs> totally.
2: That notwithstanding, they wanted to call it the Federal Reserve to destigmatize it as much as they could.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And the big part of the plan that held up, because as we're going to see in a little bit, the plan actually failed. The initial yeah. Aldrich plan failed. Mm-hmm. But so the one the thing more? that held up was the idea of giving it the illusion of being decentralized mm-hmm. by having regional banks.
1: Yeah,
2: now, That's a ridiculous thought. How can you have a decentralized central bank, especially when the same people own it and control it. It's like saying that, oh, well, Home Depot is decentralized. Yeah, but the same five shareholders have the big mansions. Yes. It's the same basic concept. It's not really decentralized. It's it's just smoke and mirrors.
1: Totally, sure. Well, mm-hmm. so that
2: was the big thing from the, from the Aldrich plan that, that kind of held over. They, they wanted to create this central bank so that this cartel, this organized conspiracy group of people they wanted to have a secret against the American public to control their wealth. That's the textbook definition of what all those things are. Mm-hmm. So good, bad, or indifferent, that's what it is. Yeah. Yep. They created this central bank. or They wanted to create this central bank in order to control the money supply. So the big thing was, how do we get the government to comply? And that was the big sticking point for the Aldrich plan. And that's where, uh, first of all, you had, uh, it was the Glass-Owen Act. It was Carter Glass and Richard or Robert Owen. Yep, yep,
1: yep. Yep, Carter Glass, Robert Owen. Okay. Yep.
2: Robert Owen and Carter Glass were the two big uh, proponents that they had in the government that pushed push this along. Again, both money guys, going back to the formation of the country, money guys like Alexander Hamilton, they're always essential to push these banker uh, desires along because you either got patriots in there, you got profiteers in there, where you got statists in there it's one of those three people are usually what represents the government on, in one form or the other and in this case they they had the the profiteer guys mm-hmm. that they were trying to to push along so the the counterbalance of that the statist of the group that was fighting them the big one was william jennings Bryan. uh he was the big opponent to this and he's the main reason it failed and the, the thing was with Brian and people say he was the he was the good guy. He was trying to help us. Well, he was kind of, but he, he wasn't against a central bank, per se. He just was against a private central bank. Mm-hmm. He thought that the government should be in charge of it, which to me, absolute power, baby it corrupts. And if it's the government or if it's ten banker dudes or some businessmen, it's, it's all the same to me. I don't mm-hmm. think that it should be centralized like that. So regardless of his intent, Brian was the main sticking point at this point. And this this is uh, in in between the event actually taking place in 1910 and then the eventual passage in 1913. Mm -hmm. Brian was the sticking point. So he wanted to take away the power and the bankers had to figure out a way to appease him without giving away their powers. How do they do that? Essentially what they did was they made it so the treasury, the government would print the money and this money would be a currency of liability to the U.S. government. So it's a Federal Reserve note, but it's backed by the government. And that, that way, the government, in his eye, has control, but it's still, from the banker's standpoint, it's basically it's a flaccid move just to appease them. It doesn't really change their power structure. The central bank is still in control. The Federal Reserve, in this case, has all the power. Uh, the only thing that the government, to my understanding, still has, and again, this, this was kind of pushed along, by the governmental side of things is that is that congress can can vote to eliminate the federal reserve they still mm. have that ability but other than that it's pretty much absolute power by the federal reserve starting at this meeting in 1910 and going forward in 1913.
1: true and so really the only government's affiliation uh like the direct ties is that the the, the board the, the chairman of the board of governors for the federal reserve is appointed by the president but other than that there's no government that can regulate any, like, no governmental body that can regulate any portion of the Federal Reserve. They're completely untouchable. Right. You know, um, it's, it's insane. It's
2: the famous Greenspan quote. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, he's like, he literally says, um, there's no body of the government that can have any bearing on the decisions that we make or something like that. It's yeah. crazy. Okay. You know? um, speaking of, just real quick sidebar on the uh, the opposition to the original Federal Reserve. Have you ever heard anything about John Jacob Astor, Benjamin Guggenheim, or Isidore Strauss being
2: opposed to it? I you say that, because I have in my note headings it says, immediate following events. And the first one is Titanic sinking
1: 1912.
2: <laughs> yep. It says, bye-bye Benjamin Guggenheim, yep. John Jacob Astor, Isidore Strauss. Those are the yeah. big three guys. Yeah. And then after that is the Aldrich plan, but I skipped ahead, so yes. Okay. Socratico, buddy.
1: So they they were, now I heard, I saw a disputing claim. Some people said, oh, they didn't really care about the Federal Reserve. But do you, do you know of anything? Were they actually outspoken to this Federal Reserve or central banks in
2: general? As far as I understand it, they they were American patriots. They believed in free markets, and that's kind of the big thing is, is yes. they, they they made their bones via the free market. So okay, it could be revisionist history because I don't know a lot of billionaires who are, you know, Choir boys, true. So they're true. painted as the good guys, but true. Who knows how good were they? Yeah. At the very least, they were roadblocks. True. From what I. Okay. The so is, the big thing is, is that J.P. Morgan was rumored to be on that as well, and he canceled at the last minute. uh, yeah. la, you know, Mark Wahlberg on 9/11, where yep. oh, I'm not going to make it.
1: Yep. So exactly. Exactly.
2: The theory is, is that he knew something was going to go down because they wanted to eliminate the opposition. Now. The irony to that is he died in 1913, so you gave yourself a six-month chief.
1: Yep. But who owned the Titanic? Yep. Who owned it? Right? J.P. Morgan? Morgan, (laughs) Yeah. Did he really? Yeah, J.P. Morgan owned the damn Titanic, dude. (laughs) That's what I'm saying, Dude. This is, it's like, come on now. So, for all of you out there who think we're crazy, right? So, the Titanic, right, is a tragic event, right? They hit an iceberg that was uh, that was uh, exploded by, I like uh, what you just did. by by J.P. Morgan to eliminate the competition in order to get the Federal Reserve Pat- Act passed. So, just so you guys know. Anyway, you know, it had nothing to do with Leonardo DiCap- DiCaprio sitting on a freaking boat. Or maybe, maybe that happened too, but unfortunately we've kind of been lied to about that too. I don't know, maybe. Anyway, so I thought that was pretty funny. Okay, so... What I heard, too, is that, okay, so when they were trying to pass the Glass-Owen bill, right, um, they – they <clears throat> so the original version didn't pass. And so they, they, they push it back through Congress in the form of the Glass-Owen bill. And at that point, um, you have <clears throat> the Aldridges and the Vanderlips coming out publicly denouncing that bill, the Glass-Owen bill, saying, no, that's awful. We can't pass that bill, right? Um just to get the public to mm-hmm. think, well, if the bankers hate this yeah. building, it's probably beneficial to yeah. us. Did right, you hear right, anything right. about that? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Well, I haven't. That's actually pretty smart. Yeah, I haven't heard that before. That's yeah, legal.
1: I heard. I think uh, Corbett was talking about that yeah. on, on his documentary on it, The Century of Enslavement, which, of course, we'll put a link in the show notes. Just to you know, definitely, if you guys want to really get into this I stuff,
2: I agree. I love
1: it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so. You know, so one of the things I wanted to just say back to just the agenda, right? So they they say um, the purpose of it, what they tell Congress, what they tell the the citizens, is that we need to stabilize the economy and put an end to chaotic banking, because you know, and and so if that's the measure that we're holding them, and this is I actually listened to a G. Edward Griffin speech where where he talks about this right here, where he's talking about like, um, you know, if that if that's what they're if that what what it was designed for and that's what it was put in place to do, then they are failing horribly at it. They're failing horribly at it. Look at all of the crises. You know, we've got economic crashes in 21, the Great Depression from 29 to 39, a recession in 53, 57, 69, 81, Black Monday in 87. Um, You know, obviously the two, it's like, so they're failing. They're not doing, if that's their job, they get an F. They don't, they don't, they're not passing the bill. But the funny thing is, is that that's not, what the goal of the central bank is. And then he broke it down into basically three tiers, three things that they behind the scenes came together to form the central bank ground. And the first one was to eliminate competition, right? Uh, we touched on that a little bit, you know, at this time, like, you know, you have the railroad industry and the steel industry and the oil industry, and all these people are making massive amounts of money. And, uh, how do we, You know, uh, Rockefeller said competition is a sin. Mm -hmm. So let's consolidate our resources, right? Let's eliminate competition and and strengthen our forces together. Um, The second thing he described was reverse private capital formation, which this is just another thing that they they throw these big crazy words to describe these things um, to make us not interested. Like if someone comes up to me and say, hey, have you heard about private capital formation? And I'm like, okay, I'm like already not listening, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But... You know and it's a very deliberate intentional thing what that means though is that you know businesses uh let's say you save you you make your profits and you put a little money in a savings account and then eventually you have enough to buy a new factory or you know whatever it is or or roll out a new product and you're using your own money to do that and that's private capital formation is using your own assets and your own money to roll out new things and so Uh, They want to eliminate that and have you borrow from the bank. They want you to borrow money from the bank, Mm -hmm. taking out loans, taking out loans. That's what it's all about. And we'll talk about fractional reserve banking here in a minute. And so uh, there's that. And then the third big piece, third big piece, which is uh, (laughs) the most diabolical of them all, is just passing on the inevitable loss from the banks onto the taxpayers. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so whenever there is a boom and a bust and a recession and an economic crisis, they can pay themselves out. And they profit on both ends. And that's the whole scam of the Federal Reserve. That's it in a nutshell, is you create these b- booms and they're paying themselves on that end. And then when it busts, just we just went through it, man. They're just open checkbook, trillion dollars a day, trillion dollars a day paying themselves. So they capitalize on that end too. And, and during booms, they position themselves into powers on these boards of governors and on the the regional Federal Reserve boards. And, they, and then, then they just pay their own banks. I think it was like in 2012, God, I can't remember. I wish I had that number, but. They did an audit about uh, how much the banks paid themselves, like this, just just like uh, like CEOs of banks, how much they paid their own banks. It was just an astronomical number. And it's just like so that's that's the hustle right there is is just create these economic crises and then pay yourself for it, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: All right? know yeah, I agree. That's 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 a strong comment. You're talking about things that I again I have in my really notes. So we're on the I wavelength. I think it might be a good time to at least give a cliff notes version of what money is. Yeah, sure. That's something that we're taught in the uh, indoctrination camps we go through for about 13 years.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, you might have one or two classes on it teach you how to balance a checkbook, maybe depending on your school district. But for the most part, it's a concept that's foreign to the average American worker. So it, modern banks and money is very much the way you talked about it. They're in the business of lending debt to people, essentially, mm-hmm. they yes. want to buy securities. So, uh, when I try to explain it to somebody, like the, the kids, I'll say, hey, where are you going to put your money? Well, I'm going to put it in the bank. Okay, well, you, you work now. Where's your money go? Oh, well, I have direct deposit. Well, first of all, that's that's erroneous in itself. There's no such thing as a deposit anymore in modern banking. Deposit is a misnomer. Deposit would indicate that you put the money somewhere, and when you go get it, <laughs> it it's gone. But we already talked about the fact, and we're going to talk about it some more, that In fractional reserve, it's not there. What it is is a loan to the bank legally speaking when you give your money to the bank when the money takes your direct deposit from your job you're actually giving the bank a loan and they're going to do whatever they want to with your money and you're going to pay for it essentially they're going to make their money twice off you so Mm -hmm. that's what a deposit is it's a loan the federal banks are often described too as being in the business of loaning money that is also not completely accurate they're not necessarily in the business of lending money they're in the business of Buying IOUs from people essentially (laughs) their their business is to buy securities Why do they want to do that because? Either they get their money back with interest is a win or you default and they get your assets It's a win-win so they control assets on both sides So what they're doing is they're trading worthless paper that they print and create Based on what they developed in 1913. This is their idea. They create this phantom money give it to you in exchange for more of it and eventually more of your assets, either the, your assets mm-hmm. or the country's assets. So that's how that works. Um, beyond that, you talked about a little bit how when they were getting around the governmental concerns, they invented the FDIC. You kind of mm-hmm. touched on that without mm-hmm. saying FDIC, where we guarantee our own money, which is the most enraging concept I can think of. Essentially they're causing our money to inflate by their practices. Mm -hmm. So our money is worth less and less over time. They give it back to us. They have these dangerous loan programs where, again, they're lending out these IOUs to people that maybe don't qualify. And we'll get into that a little bit later, too, how there's differences between uh, lending money on the basis of production or innovation versus speculation and asset development those are the two big schools of thought on that so if you have somebody that's lending for asset development and it, it is nice to go out and buy a house i get that but what's happening is they know that a big portion of those people are going to fail sure and when they fail they don't care because they have the fdic what's the fdic well it's federal insurance well does the government invent
1: no oh, oh. Hold on, Sean. You there? Money. hold on, Sean. Sorry, okay. we kind of lost you there for a oh, second. Was
2: okay. Where was what was the last thing I said? So, uh, I wonder why your face look frozen. That was weird. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so okay. Uh, so so we talked about the when they. And so well, we can edit this too. So when okay. when they seize your home, they don't care. They don't care if they they take your home and just right. Like they want your assets. Yeah, they either, want your assets.
2: They want the IOU, or they want your asset. They're 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 going to win either way. Mm-hmm. So beyond that. You mentioned earlier about uh, the FDIC. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't say FDIC, but FDIC is essentially what they did to, to get around the governmental concerns. But the FDIC is basically federal insurance. Did you guys hear me say any of this stuff? Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, though. Just keep going, dude. Just keep plugging.
2: Right. So, federal insurance is essentially the government insuring these IOUs. And if they default, then the government saves a day. But the problem is the government. Government doesn't manufacture bullets. They don't they didn't invent the iPad. They don't create anything. All they <laughs> yeah. do is they take from their constituents. They take from us. Yeah. So the guarantee on our IOUs, on our real estate notes, on our asset notes, is us. We're yeah. we're insuring ourselves with all like <laughs> money. It's ridiculous yeah. it's a, yeah. it's, it's the definition of a damn Ponzi scheme. Yeah. It yeah. drives me bananas when I think insane. about it that way. But that's what's going on
1: crazy you want to touch on a little bit like fractional reserve banking what that is
2: yeah essentially the, the they intentionally at least i believe i think they they make it over complicated on purpose yeah Again, you kind of talk about it, it's it's either boring or perceived to be super complicated so people don't want to look into it yeah mm-hmm. so fractional reserve essentially just just look at it very simplistically what's a fraction it's not a whole mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. one half or one eighth or whatever Reserve means if I give you some gold and you put it in your reserves in your vault, if you have a fraction of that, then you don't have the whole amount. That's all it means. (laughs) Fractional reserve means I give you 100 pieces of gold by the laws that you helped create on Jekyll Island and that were later turned into law. You don't have to have 100 pieces of gold anymore. You might only have to have three pieces of gold out of 100, and you give 97 of them to somebody else. Mm Mm-hmm all these banks that are under the central control are all broke they have yep. no money mm-hmm. and because they're broke can't that not cause the same damn panic of 1907 it's the same thing <laughs> yep. everybody went to the bank and said hey dude give me my gold okay here's your gold give me my gold. here's your gold. what happens when the three percent of those people don't have it oh call the fdic and it's the same people in line paying for it yep again it's 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 a cycle of pain over and over again
1: Yep. I think, uh, and, and I love, like, the example that uh, Edwin, Griffin, G. Edwin Griffin uses is, like, it's just, okay, so you walk down, you put your little $100 bill in the bank, right, and, uh, and, and then the bank says, great, uh, hey, attention, everybody, we have some money we can loan you, and uh, everyone goes, great, how much can we get, and they say, we'll give you $900, and they're like, wait a minute, uh, how can you only, how can you give us 900 bucks? there's only 100 bucks in there, Right? And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. The law says we only have to have 10% of the money uh, on our books or physically on hand that we, we say we have. So therefore we can loan out up to $900 to make that the 10%, You know, the, so if that $100 is 10% of what we have, we can loan out the other 900 bucks and say that we legitimately have like that much money on hand. And so that's what they do is they loan out that money. They just invent that money out of thin air that gets all loaned out and then it gets paid back in interest. So when you when you get when you pay back your loans that you take out on interest, it's money that it's appearing out of nowhere off of money that appeared out of nowhere. It's mm-hmm. just this hustle and I think a lot of it was back in the before pre, you know, 1910 era, 1913, 1907, it was happening on a, on a smaller scale like all these local banks and all these like State banks were doing their own little federal, uh, uh, fractional reserve banking, but another part of the consolidation of power was to bring all that on the federal level, so they can just do that in their own little like you know dome of influence there, right? So,
3: and what's going on now is as far as reserves, yeah, they removed reserve requirements altogether. Banks have no requirements at really? this point. March 26th, they did. Since the economy went up and down and up and down and still is since the Corona scandal we're dealing with today. Uh, yeah, March 26th. they just removed Whoa. all the requirements.
1: So you don't even have to have any money to loan out. It was no, literally just, just coming whatever out of nowhere. the hell you want? Wow, that's crazy.
2: And I and I can't remember when it happened. Maybe it was tied to Nixon, but at some point in time, there were gold reserves. Like when they said reserves, yep. it was actual gold reserves.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, in the central banks, uh, not not talking about the federal level or the citizenry, but the central banks at some point. Had gold in them, and I think that's until 1930. Hard three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that's at hilarious. some point in time, I read a quote, and I can't remember who it was. It was some financial official said that the Federal Reserve hasn't had gold reserves in a very long time. So essentially, yeah. the reserves that they had are is just more Federal Reserve IOUs. It's yep. not even real money.
3: Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Probably all the assets that they've taken are in the form of castles and businesses and land and Times Square and all sorts of stuff they've purchased with our money. Uh, they don't have any they don't have it in the banks anymore for sure
1: totally totally so what are your have you heard or looked into very much about the uh uh recent thing about how trump seized control of the federal reserve have yeah, you heard anything I, about I've that?
2: Heard that where it was um what was what's the terminology they used? they absorbed
1: it, was, it into the treasury or something like that or yeah, it's, treasury it's,
2: yeah, I I heard that maybe was that March or early April. Yeah, something was, like that. Allegedly, mm-hmm. allegedly, that took place uh, at the same time where all the the celebrities were, you know, on house arrest. Somebody. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's true, what isn't true, or and, and more importantly, because of the connections you made early on in the in the podcast, it doesn't necessarily mean he's a white hat.
4: True. Uh, yeah.
2: Just I don't know. I mean, just because even if he has, number one, it, it hasn't come out in the wash yet. Nothing has happened to benefit us that I've seen. Sure. Uh other than the twelve hundred dollar gift they gave us with our own money that we have to pay taxes on again. <laughs>
1: totally. Exactly, <laughs> dude. Uh, or or give it to Amazon and freaking Walmart, dude. Yeah, like yeah. that's where it's all going. They're just just oh god. Um uh, so yeah. Um yeah, that's a great, you know, segue into like, you know, the current economic just like, what the hell, dude? Like what is going on? Like uh you know so so we just went through a major economic crisis right and and so and so the federal reserve just open checkbook boom 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 just paying themselves for it um you know some people say that this 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 is the great well see i've heard both sides of it right so the world economic forum is saying this is the great reset and they're like pushing for it right um but then i've heard other people like on the q side for example saying that this is needed to starve out the banks right have you you have any thoughts on any of that
2: i've heard that i again I, i I don't believe anybody gets in the position of power and doesn't get shot in the face. Yeah. <laughs> they're not down with the program. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on Q, if you don't mind me asking?
2: Uh, I think it's AI. Yeah. Um, it's either AI or it was a troll job that turned into something bigger. Yeah. I don't um, Again, I, I think it's a cult of personality at the very least. True. And cult of personality is something that usually doesn't work out for the average person
1: true yeah that's a great perspective for sure
2: i don't know that it's all bad because i do believe that a lot of the things that are exposed as being evil that are being exposed they need to be exposed that's good mm-hmm. and most of the people that seem to be in on Q seem to be good solid soul human beings like they care about their fellow man sure uh, so that's good too. At least it's bringing good people together. But it, it's also obviously the, the, the theories are all out there. It's 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 putting the the Second Amendment players off the play the game board essentially it, by saying, hey, wait on cue, trust the plan, yeah. don't do anything, sit on your hands. Yeah. Uh, and to me, sure. that makes perfect sense. It's exactly the way you should handle it if you're trying to pre preemptively, proactively stop insurgency. And if you're trying to overtake a country via a new world order and again new world order might not be the 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 game plan it might be a rumored game plan because you talked about it earlier where they like us being divided and hating each other but Mm -hmm. if we're united under a one world government that paradigm goes away so who knows what the exact design is but i do agree that there's something involved that people want to push this agenda for sure true and you is a distraction from that or a stall tactic from that
1: yeah now what better way to to usher you know just uh, blind just turn a blind eye to, to the ushering and whatever it is they're about to roll out by just having a whole segment of the population just being no 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 trust the plan no 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 just sit back trust them they, they, they know what's going on yeah. even though we're watching all the the crazy bullshit happening right in front of our faces like well that doesn't add up i don't know no 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 trust the plan trust the plan so what better way to get us
2: and <laughs> i'll say yeah. i'll say this yeah they, they use the the frog the keck yeah uh, mm-hmm. which goes back centuries it's a is it Egyptian? I think it's an Egyptian mm. symbol, visual magic. But uh, the funny thing to, to me in my head, I'm, I always see the dumb frog. I think we're the boiling frogs. We're mm. in the water sitting here thinking it's a hot tub and it's not.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Have you uh, have you ever read Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars? The... I've
2: heard of it, but I don't think I've read it actually. Okay.
1: No. So it's a, it's the first little chapter of this book here. Um, Heritage Girl Megan's been doing a little book study on it on her channel. Um, we pulled it up so basically Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars is basically talking about apparently like it's it's a leaked document that was found like in a printer somewhere that supposedly comes from some sort of like think tank something like that and what it's describing and very just like like the first time I read it I was just like I had to stop reading it because I was just sick to my stomach like it just lays out literally what uh you know, this, this this, this war against us, yep. right? And it's being fought economically. We They've declared war on us a long time ago, and they're using these economic uh, weapons of war against us. And, and, mm-hmm. and I don't know. We, we found a couple of things. You want to read a couple of those?
0: Yeah. So I have like a little... Shoot. Sorry about that. Now I've lost my place a little bit. So I'm just going to start... I'm just going to read this one page okay so the same thing is achieved by a government by printing money beyond the limit of the gross national product an economic process called inflation note remember that inflation is only the act of printing money in excess of the gross national product they could blame it on the price of widgets or oil only because pardon me let me pick this up uh only because you never know know the real cause the real cause and the only cause of inflation is the printing of more money beyond the net gross national product. This puts a large quantity of money into the hands of the public and maintains a balance against their greed, creates a false self-confidence in them, and for a while stays the wolf from the door. They must eventually resort, resort to war to balance the account because war ultimately is merely an act of destroying the creditor, and the politicians are the publicly hired hitmen that justify the act to keep the responsibility and blood off the public conscience. Since most of the general public will not exercise restraint, there are only two alternatives to reduce economic inductance of the system. One, let the populace bludgeon each other to death in war, which will only result in the total destruction of the living earth. Or two, to take control of the world by the use of economic silent weapons in the form of quiet warfare and reduce the economic inductance of the world to a safe level by a process of benevolent slavery and genocide. The latter option has been taken as the obviously better option. At this point, it should be crystal clear to the reader why absolute secrecy about the silent weapons is necessary the general public refuses to improve its own mentality and its faith in its fellow man. It has become a herd of proliferating barbarians and, so to speak, a blight upon the face of the earth. They do not care enough about economic science to learn why they have not been able to avoid war despite religious morality and their their religious or self-gratifying refusal to deal with earthly problems renders the solution of the earthly problems unreachable by them. So that's just (laughs) the one little section out of... um, the energy portion of uh, this this book, out of this document, it's it's quite in depth and, uh, it's, and a, it,
1: it's a great read. And you can find a PDF fantastic. version on Google or DuckDuckGo. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, not Google. Don't use Google anyway. Don't. But like it talks about too how like uh, I think it was Mayor Meyer Rothschild figured out mm-hmm. that the whole like economics on a large scale can be equated to like the just basic uh, theories of electricity. You have yep. power, inductance, and resistance. You yes. can just apply economic factors in place of those in any uh, equation related to electricity. Like if you're an electrician, then you use those equa- like PIE, pi equations all day long. Mm-hmm. You can for- plug in like uh, all these economic variables into those instead and you can you can literally just like pull a string over here and you can change the whole economy over here. It's really fascinating how they describe it. Um, the other really one, did you want to read on page four, 39, too, the the energy one?
0: Absolutely. Which portion? Just consequently. Consequently. Consequently, in the interest of future world order, peace, and tranquility, it was decided but to privately wage a quiet war against the American public with an intimate objective of permanently shifting the natural... Excuse me. The natural and social energy, which is wealth, of the undisciplined and irresponsible many, into the hands of the self-disciplined, responsible, and worthy few.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. In order to implement this objective, it was necessary to create, secure, and apply new weapons, which, as it turned out, were a class of weapons so subtle and sophisticated in their principle of operation and public appearance as to earn themselves the name "silent weapons." So, I mean, it just goes into all this. Have you have you heard any of that stuff, John?
2: Well, not specifically that document. So I yeah. have two questions. And yeah. First of all everything you're saying sounds very much like what i danced around in the beginning yeah which there's a group of people and again it's not about race it's about the power brokers yes dominance Mm
1: -hmm. yes Mm
2: -hmm. this dominant group of hardliners zealots yes believes that they are divined on some level either by superior intellect or by divine birthright Mm -hmm. but masters of other people so my question is do we have any Allegations about who wrote that and is what era is it? I think it was uh, it was like the sixties. 19s like between
0: nineteen fifty two and nineteen seventy nine, different portions of this particular document. Because nineteen seventy nine was this particular.
1: Yes, 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 sure yes as it right. says. Uh, I read the top secret documents, which explain the Silent White Wars as the doctrine adopted by the Policy Committee of the Bilderberg Group during its first official known meeting in nineteen fifty four. A copy found in nineteen sixty nine was in possession of Naval Intelligence. And the following document dated May 1979, was found on July 7, 1986, an IBM copier that had been purchased at a surplus sale.
0: So this document, 79.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Whoever it
2: was, they're the self-proclaimed, self-perceived masters of us. For sure. So. Mm-hmm. Are we, so now, okay,
1: so are we talking, like, are we talking uh, uh, Zionists? Are we talking Luciferians?
2: I think they're, I think the enemy of my enemy is my friend situation there, where okay. they don't line up necessarily. Yeah, uh, where they have their own agenda at place, and and it, my opinion is both. I think they're both using us uh, for our labor, mm-hmm. for our mm-hmm. taxes, mm-hmm. or our innovation, for our creativity, uh, possibly to bleed our energy as well, for from a spiritualistic standpoint. Yes, hundred mm-hmm. uh, percent on both with adjusted. that. Or I make that up regardless, Sound good, so yeah,
3: yeah, um, on point.
2: On point, these people, whoever they are, uh, have an agenda. And my, again, my opinion yep. is you have the Luciferians on one side, possibly lizard people, like legit by biblical lizard people, yep. would yes. have their own agenda, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Zionists on one side that have their own agenda, and possibly. Like, a, like an Asian-Chinese influence happening on it totally. too. You have separate things happening, and they're all using each other to fight the enemy, which is us. Mm-hmm. And once, if we're out of the way, then they can turn on each other. And that's yeah. probably the way it's going to play out. And so there could be multiple sources of things happening all at once.
1: And is that what we're seeing right now, probably?
2: Most likely. I mean, likely. again, I'm sitting here in a, in a basement. Yeah. Uh, After working an eight-hour shift, so I'm not a master of the world, and I'm not playing golf with those dudes. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Oh yeah. Yes, but the the evidence seems to point to that. And my uh, in the words of uh, George Washington, the quote was something like, "Always trust the cosmic spark of conscience inside yourself." My conscience is telling me there's something to that for sure.
1: Yep. Yep. And the people that's the most maddening thing about this is like. I feel it man like yeah. you guys don't see it they're like no dude you guys don't see it like dude like, come on you don't see it I just want to shake these people I yeah, wish I could just it, download man. it into their brains dude and just be like come on there's something bigger and more diabolical going on yeah. and a lot of it has to do with what we talked about tonight this Federal Reserve bullshit dude you know it it, it they're, they're sees every opportunity to crash the economy and pay themselves dude like I don't know man I really don't know but I know that this probably is a piece of the puzzle man so wh- what else you got Sean
2: well, I mean, we can talk about the, kind of the formation of the kind of the the brainchild of what brought it about. Obviously, looking at history, the American history of it goes back to, you know, the, the late 1700s, obviously.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And the big opponents then, you know, the William, William Jennings Bryan of his era, but a much more astute mind, in my opinion, would have been Thomas Jefferson. He was he was all about personal liberty. He was he was anti. centralized bank and then he had the the other side which obviously was alexander hamilton and hamilton allegedly was tied in with the european banks wanted a central bank and ultimately he prevailed because the federalists kind of had the control at that point in time and they were all about the the european uh, central banks so the first bank the u.s has put in and essentially it runs unchallenged for the first 25 years of our existence and then it, it runs out in 1911 and they just don't uh, I think it was Madison was president at that point in time. They just didn't read up the charter. They just let it expire, and that was 1811. And if you know anything about, if you paid attention at all in seventh grade, you know that 1812 something yeah. happened, yeah. which <laughs> yeah. was a war. war so written, yeah. again, no proof of of anything in my mind, but it seems to stand a reason that if something happens that they don't like, uh, let's start a war, and make some money, yep. and, and get things to go our way. So. 1811 it ends. 1812, we have a war. And then for five years, we have massive inflation. As the country has a hard time paying for this war, so what do you have to do when you can't pay for things as a nation? you got to reach out to the bankers and get more loans, get more IOUs sold to you. Bankers control the IOUs. They can then cash them in and claim some assets, some land, whatever they need, some of your gold, whatever. So 1811 to 1816, I believe, there was no central bank. Mm-hmm. 1816, the second bank of the U.S. happens, and that was centralized. And that was all that, the same.
1: All the same characters from the first central bank, right? It was like the as same. As far as I understand, yeah,
2: yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, they were aging out and yeah. new generation. All but the same characters. This stuff. It's the same club. They stay in. They stay <laughs> in house. You got, you know, <laughs> J.P. Morgan Jr. In 1913 takes over things yeah. too. I mean, that's that's a that's a very old tale in history. Yes. So the same basic people, same basic. Uh, template and they have the second national bank and that runs through, uh, right up to the beginning of, or the end, the beginning of Martin Van Buren, the end of the Andrew Jackson tenure. And Andrew Jackson's one of, I believe his quote when he died was, what's the one thing you want to be remembered for? And he has a famous quote about, uh, people of all races being brothers in heaven or something like that. That's one of his famous quotes, but his other famous quote is, he killed the bank. Hmm. He's really proud of that fact. He took us off the reserve standard off the, the reserve note and put us back on the gold and silver standard. Now now the argument to that is it caused the panic of 1837 and bankers will argue that it only was rectified by, uh, Van Buren's deregulation, essentially let the business, let the bankers handle it, get out of the way kind of thing. They'll, They'll argue that, that it was cause of that. But, the reality is, is that during that period of deflation, starting in 1838, the country had a boom. And it, the mm. boom lasted up through the Civil War, essentially. So we had a long period of, of expansion and innovation when the bank was out of the way. You, that's, that's just fact. So that was the second central bank. And then from 1836, 37 until 1907, 1903, 1910 1913 we had no central bank it was the uh, what the heck was it called I got it in my notes here let me find it yeah um, the free banking era is what it was called okay and in that era we just had what you described where it was a bunch of decentralized smaller banks doing their own thing creating their own money uh, there was no standardized uh, currency in the US these people had faith in the money was was transferable essentially and more importantly, it was backed by gold. So if you wanted to k- take it to a bank, you could do so. And obviously, in that era, in the Wild West and stuff, I mean, you had, you know, you know bank robbers became a thing, obviously. It was a, it was a big deal in that time. So obviously, there was money in the vaults, unlike today, where most of <laughs> it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that era was, again, if you take the Civil War out of the equation, you can, Civil War and the... The reasons behind the Civil War, the thing that happened in 1871 with the uh, the Organic Act of 1871 where D.C. becomes uh, its own corporation and, and you can argue that there's a second constitution at that point in time. Mm. <laughs> Take all that stuff out of it and just look at it from the fact that there was an event that took place. You could argue that the bankers were funding both sides. Uh, Jefferson Davis was reportedly going to be given a central bank if he won they were playing that angle and then you had the russian czar jump in and he helped out Mm. Uh, and the argument there is that you know obviously there there was a an ethnic tinge to the czars versus the the zionists at this point in time Mm. and essentially 30 years later got even worse but if you look into the fact that You had France and Britain with their own interests in the Civil War. You had the bankers with their interests in the Civil War on both sides, playing both sides of the equation. And then you have Russia jump in and kind of save the Union at that point. Uh, That kind of created some bad blood between the two. And that plays out later with the Bolshevik Revolution that was funded by people that had ties to these European banks. So again, you could go into a whole podcast about that alone, Yeah, but (laughs) at the very least, if you're interested in this topic, looking at that stuff because it does tie directly to what we're talking about with the eventual uh, Jekyll Island meeting. Mm-hmm. So, fast forward ahead to let's say 1900 or so. Obviously, you've talked about the big players in that you got Carnegie, you've got uh, Rockefeller, you got JP Morgan, you got all these big business guys, and you got the bankers tied to them as well. Uh, I mentioned them earlier, uh, Jacob Schiff. So, I, I mentioned yes. some- I see a lot of corollary between him in and, and his era and George Soros in this current era. Um, Jacob Schiff was kind of a, he was an immigrant success story. I mean, he was born in Frankfurt, Germany, which later on, you know, they started the Frankfurt School in that area, and he kind of had a similar background. Uh, he was before the Frankfurt, Frankfurt School, but similar background, uh, secular and uh, religious uh, Judaism. Uh, his father, Was an associate of the Rothschilds, and like father, like son, Schiff went into the family business and went into loaning, uh, not just to individuals and to businesses, but also to governments. And you talked about this earlier, and it's it's so crazy how everything's connected. One of the businesses, one of the monopolies, one of the players that you talked about earlier was Westinghouse, Mm -hmm. and Schiff was a big backer of Westinghouse Electric. He was a big backer of AT&T. Uh, all these guys that were created under a free market system no longer wanted free markets because they dominated it. They just wanted it to have it to themselves. So they benefited from it, but then they want to eliminate it so they can kind of control the playing mm. field. So Schiff was one of the movers and shakers of that era in this regard. Um, something that is big with him, this ties into – what we're talking about with the banks in general was he floated a massive $200 million, something like that loan to the Japanese in their fight against, guess who? Russian. Russian, yeah. yeah. The yeah. at this point in time. So he gives a huge loan to them. Uh, he's going against his sworn enemy and the Russians. And if Japan can't pay it, which probably they're not going to be able to do that, he just gets to take their assets as collateral. So it's a win-win again. Which I talked about earlier. It's the same playbook over and over again.
1: Yep, yep. Just triangulating, dude. Like you can't escape. Like we're just we're just helpless. So, so uh, what's the solution to this? What's the solution to this?
2: I don't know. I mean, I I think about it all the time. <laughs> I, I, I actually put a quote on my uh, Twitter today. Uh, it was Buck Mr. Fuller, and he said, "Don't fight the current system. Create." and innovate a better system instead and make the old one obsolete. So there you go. Yeah. Spend a bunch of time. First of all, the the fact is, and and again, this is a podcast in itself. You can argue that going back to the Bolshevik revolution, uh, their playbook is to destabilize the family unit, Mm -hmm. get people to be extremely selfish, to rebel against the historical – stability structures like church family things of that nature yep. to make them anti-authoritarian as much as possible to make them feel oppressed to make them feel like victims to make them lash out and to make them stand alone and the argument for that is by doing that i don't know how to verbalize this exactly I'm trying to think how to the, the best way to describe that when it goes back to the Bolshevik Revolution, and it ties into today, you want people to to, to not have the structures in place that were there supporting them over time, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to. I apologize, I don't know how to verbalize it exactly. Yeah, you're good. You're, you're, you're good. Jump in and help me out.
1: Like, okay, so if we want to get rid of the old, we have to come up with the new first, right? Correct. So,
2: okay. go ahead. I guess where I was going with it is, for a century, they've been effective at reducing our support structure.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: They've gotten rid of the family model. They got rid of the family unit. There's more single parent households. There's you know children that have issues. You can get into the fact that they're manipulated by you know psychotropic drugs, things of that nature, by being tied mm-hmm. on antidepressants. All sorts of different things going on to to make people not feel as secure and not feel as tied to any one unit any one structure but and this is where i was going with it i finally figured out what i was trying to say um they have been doing this for centuries they have been unified in one goal as one group for a very long time so not only are they super effective in what they're doing and they have a playbook to call from over and over again they've also in the meantime destabilized our foundation so it's very difficult for us to fight that when we are not stable when we are not unified and we are separate when they are a monolithic structure that has been on the same path forever so to answer your question directly i don't know what the answer is but you at yeah. least have to be aware of that dynamic at play. Yes. That yes they have a power structure that we just can't match
1: yeah that, that's one sure. of the most important sure. things about this and that's why we're putting this podcast out dude is like because you know we can't win anything if we don't even know what it is we're fighting against, man. Sure. Like this is sure. this is very yep. important.
2: I guess if people were interested in learning more, because again yes. this this podcast was just about Jekyll Island. Obviously, you guys have a, a plethora of books in front of you if you want to pitch anything there that people can have reading on. But for me, looking at the things that transpired after uh, Jekyll Island, I, I look at the focus group and how that ties to Churchill. Again, it's kind of similar we talked about with Schiff and uh, Westinghouse. Uh, the focus group was something that kind of dictated Churchill's moves leading up to World War II. And one of the reasons they wanted to do that was Germany, throughout its entire history, and then again in the 1930s, and say what you want to about Hitler, not a nice guy, not a good dude, <laughs> and his, his immediate surrounding uh, officers also scumbags. But... He was chosen to be Times Man of the Year for a reason.
4: Mm.
2: One of the reasons that happened is because he turned around with his policies, in part kicking out the central banks. He turned around the, the German finances drastically. They were thriving in the 1930s. So look into that and then look at the focus group and out-manipulated Churchill. After they removed Chamberlain from power, Churchill goes into power, and it leads directly into World War II with a series of events about you know, rumored peace treaties that were usurped and neglected. And you got Stalin on one side causing problems and you got FDR on the other side doing things behind the scenes to push everybody into war. So there's a lot of stuff involved with that. Again, it's tied to them playing the same side, uh, win or lose, they're going to win. Yep. Um, you've got the gold standard. That's a big one.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, first you had the, uh, I think it was 33 at FDR. Uh, he basically made it illegal for, uh, Citizen to have gold, you trade in your gold essentially and get a Federal Reserve note instead. Uh, the theory behind that is they had to give the gold away; they, they were already having to pay up for some of these IOUs from earlier. But regardless, they didn't want it in the average person's hands. So in '33, that happens. In '71, again Nixon takes us off the gold standard. So '33, the gold itself goes away. '71, you can no longer trade in a reserve note for gold. Um, and other than that, I mean, that, that's pretty much it as far as the historical side of things. Oh yeah. Um, I I know. I mean, JFK's a big one. He fought against it. I think he had a uh, had a bunch of ones and zeros. Either one 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 zero one 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 zero. Uh, executive order, or essentially, mm. he's gonna take us off the Federal Reserve and put it back into the U.S. Treasury's hands. And then, I think three or four months later, I want to say it was like. June or July and then in November he was obviously he was assassinated. He was the last person to stand up to it. So so some, he was he
1: was he was making some moves against the federal reserve, right?
2: Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when he was dead, LBJ nixed the executive order it was done. Okay. From that point forward, there's no one stood up to it. I mean, Reagan said some good things about it in, in practice he was not the same. So he said some cool things. Yeah. But you know, I'm I'm worst thing you can hear is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Yeah. Yeah, they, exactly. They elected, but in practice, he was part of the club. He was he was down with the plan, and that plan
1: is hell yeah, off. <laughs> hell yeah. Bohemian Grove, baby. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no, wait, was Reagan, was Reagan one of the Bohemian Grove guys? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of Nixon. Maybe I'm thinking of Nixon. Anyway.
2: No, I heard he was down. Then I heard it he had a. Okay. Uh, we're a snow film called like Uncle Ronnie's Bedtime Story. Oh, something. God.
1: <laughs> okay, there, there you go. I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, right. let's, let's, we'll do a whole episode <laughs> on that. No, no. So here's something I heard. This is from uh, Max Egan with the Crow House, right? He has this really great idea called uh, the Day of Noncompliance or Days of Noncompliance. And uh, it's basically the principle of... You know, so he his his idea is like one day a month. All right. We need to pick one day a month and nobody participates in the economy whatsoever. You don't do any bank transactions. You don't get gas. You don't buy groceries. You don't do any of those things whatsoever. And and watch how they just just cower to us. Right. Because we have all the power. We, 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 we vote and we make decisions based on our dollars and what we spend it mm-hmm, on. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. if we just decide to not participate in this for like and his idea started off slow one day a month right? Nobody goes to work. Nobody does anything. Do not participate in this economy that's been thrust upon us, right? Then maybe if we start to see some movement, like like a week, all right? So a week. All right, everybody, we could do this, right? Let's we'll just have like a big music festival, free out in the field. Nobody do any participation in the economy whatsoever. Awesome. And then yeah. they'll be like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, come back, come back, come back. Come no, no, dude, we're good with you. We're, we don't need that shit. Okay, i well, will go get like, you know, some cereal and shit for the next few days. But you know what I mean? But like, what do you think of that? Have you ever heard of that idea before?
2: oh no, I think it's great. I, 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 I've actually heard of that before and I forgot about it. I, I always say on Twitter and I say this to my friends and family and they look at me funny, but I, we should just take our ball and go home. Yeah. We <laughs> don't need them. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And survive without them. And they've proven over and over again that their system of boom, bust, boom, bust of, of loaning money out for, you know, it's one thing if it's for production, if it's for innovation. That that seems to work when you give when the banks give money to for people inventing things and creating a better economy. This is something that Germany used for 200 years. Uh, it benefited like Singapore more recently, where if the economy and the and the the money IOUs are for the intention of innovation, and that innovation creates more money, it's a positive asset essentially. Then it seems to work. And there's in instances like that, there's less upheaval there's less uh there's less struggle the inequality in the culture is is much less in those situations on the flip side when it's speculatory when they're giving money for assets essentially when they're taking fixed assets that are in the in the economy already and they're giving money to people to go out and purchase these assets without creating anything new what happens is people they keep loaning and loaning and borrowing and borrowing beyond their means and essentially it busts. So it's mm, boom, yep. Yep, 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 yep. And that's where you start seeing the inequality. So by not participating in that, by realizing that truth, we can get away from that. And whether it's that guy's what's his name again?
1: Uh Max Egan. Max Egan. Yeah, I G-A-N.
2: Yeah. To experiment with that, that's perfect. Yeah. And again, by doing that, it goes back to what I was talking about, where they have centuries of working together and planning together where we can start to plan on our own right in a non-aggressive way or yeah. at least a non-violent way because it non-violent. is aggression yes yeah. you know it doesn't have to be warfare it can be predatory lending to be aggressive so in this case it's aggressive but it's not violent yeah and it sure. can be very effective uh i've also heard of things like resource-based economy mm-hmm. uh the second zeitgeist uh documenti- doc- documentary mm-hmm. talks about resource-based economy and that could be an alternative as well. Oh, yeah. But the, the bottom line is you have to experiment because the current game is busted. So yeah. take your ball and go home. Leave
1: Absolutely. Take home. your ball and go home. All right, dude. That's awesome. So, Sean, tell yeah. us where we can find you, dude.
2: Um, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me in my basement. You can find me at work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on, wow. on Twitter, it's, it's the World Series of Conspiracies. And I think it's of, cons- un- of underscore conspiracies on Twitter. I'm on Parler too, but that seems to be a little bit of a of a red echo chamber thus yeah. far. So I'm not in Parler as deep as I am on Twitter.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, I, I don't really join a team. I like to kind of stay neutral Absolutely. So I'm more on Twitter yep. right now. Even though Twitter leans to the left, obviously, uh, I'm still waiting to see on, on Parler. But you can find me on Twitter for sure. And then obviously I got my podcast as well. Uh, and I'll leave you with this. This is probably the best thing I can do to summa- is, uh, summarize what we talked about tonight. When I was a kid, my Uncle Walt was one of my favorite people. And he was born before the Jekyll Island meeting. And my son, I'm not an old guy, and my son is already an adult. My son remembers Uncle Walt. He's my grandpa's brother. Like I said, Uncle Walt was born before Jekyll Island, so he knew a world before the Central Bank. That seems like forever ago when we think about it, but it's not really because my son, a very young man, remembers somebody who was around that kid essentially remember somebody who's around that to put it in perspective the people that were at the meeting at Jekyll island were old enough to have their own version of uncle walt that was alive before america was a country Mm. and that's how young and how fragile the american ideal the american dream is and we have to make sure we protect it it's something that even though it seems like it's been around forever we're talking about two lifetimes it's not
1: Yep. yep yep like rogan says it's like three people ago Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, man, Sean, thank you so much. Thank Everybody, so check much. out, out World Series of Conspiracies, man, and thank you so much. Megan, take us up. <laughs>
0: thank you again to Sean from the World Series of Conspiracies you, for joining us tonight. It was absolutely uh, amazing to have you on here. And uh, I'm sitting here with Scott and Ed. I'm Megan, and we wish you all intellectual prosperity. Good night.
3: Good night. Good night. Someone's supposed to say, boom,
4: or bam, bam that's it.